0: All right, welcome to the Raptors over Everything podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Much appreciated in this new year new time i think we're we're still able to talk about that stuff now it's we're still in January, so I can still wish everyone a happy new year twenty twenty two lots of new things new times right katie we can we can do that still. This might be so. your
1: last week, I have to say
0: oh no, really yeah, this
1: might be I feel like third week we talked about this last time, and third week I is like we you gotta. Anyone worthwhile that you're going to talk to and like would have wished a happy new year? Mm. It's happened already or you got to make it happen this week.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to be seeing some family this weekend and I believe this will be a topic um, without us even knowing (laughs) Who's going to say? Who's going to who's gonna bite the bullet and say, Happy New Year? Happy 2022? I Probably don't know. Probably you. <laughs> it might be me. <laughs> Just to stir the pot a little bit. Uh, with Katie, we're going to talk a little bit about Kyle Lowry, because why the hell not? No, he didn't play uh, yesterday, and that's okay. That doesn't mean we can't talk about him, because he is Kyle Lowry. And also, I mean, there's a few games coming up, with the Heat, um, it's actually going to be very telling. Uh, with the Raptors and how they are and where they are within the, I guess, the scope of the Eastern Conference. So we're going to talk about him a little bit, his impact on the Raptors franchise, his impact on the heat, and also the game last night because it was interesting. Yes, the Raptors lost. Um, some things to to look at, some things to, to be curious about with the Raptors. Um, after that game, I was saying to Katie offline that, you know, at some point, We do just have to stop talking about the fact that the Raptors are long and this is what they're doing because it was very innovative at the beginning, but now we're in January, new year. And it's like, I mean, how much do we continue to talk about it? But there were some very interesting things to discuss from that game. Um, But first on the Kyle Lowry subject, Katie, you did a piece um, about Mary Holloway, uh, Kyle's mom, and it was a great written piece. And I believe it's um, pinned on your your Twitter page, at whatevs, right? It's not pinned, but it's up. It's probably the last thing up there. Yeah, you're not a you're not an active tweeter. You only do a couple every once in a while. I, I respect it, and Thanks. never anytime you do, and every time you do, um, you do bring you do bring gold. So it's that's a good thing too. Um, but yeah, you did the piece on Mary Holloway, and it was pretty much about you know how she formed her relationship with rappers Twitter her relationship with, uh, I guess, the Raptors as a whole and how she's continued it. So just to start with with her, um, I guess what was your biggest takeaway from your conversation? Because it was a great piece. And I mean, she's she's really fun.
1: <laughs> she's super fun. I mean, I we'd um, chatted with her before on Dishes and Dimes. We were lucky enough to have her on once. But to chat with Marie one-on-one, you know, she's super warm, super knowledgeable. There was so much good stuff that had to get cut. Unfortunately, that's kind of how it goes with print. Um, But just about we talked about DeMar's game, we're talking about Kyle Lowry's game, the Raptors game, just like she knows basketball, you know, like backwards and forwards. Uh, And she's extremely funny And she says Kyle doesn't find her funny at all, but she's extremely funny. Uh, And I think just generally, I was sort of curious, like how she found Raptors Twitter. Did she find them? Did they find her? Um, She found them. And like the rest is kind of history, but it is one of those things where it feels like she's been a part of the online community for such a long time um, and still like remains a part of the community, even though, you know, Kyle doesn't play for the Raptors anymore, much like his fingerprints are kind of all over the team. I feel like she's just as embedded uh, in, in the Raptors community. So, I mean, probably my biggest takeaways were just like we were really lucky to have her as involved with us for as long as we had her. And we're still lucky, you know, to, to have her kind of around and checking in every now and then. Yeah, Marie rules.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not to spoil too much of your piece, but shouts to the Joseph cousins, bros, whatever, Chris and, the, and Corey. Yeah, yeah. Because the they're, yeah, because they're yeah. a big reason why she was found on Raptors mm-hmm. Twitter. No one really knew who she was. And then it came up that, oh, wait, this is Kyle's mom. And like you said, the rest is history. Um, I appreciate how level-headed she is because... Mm-hmm. As we know with Raptors Twitter, it can be a fiery place. It can be (laughs) an emotional place. And she's always the the calm mom, right? Every single time, every time there was a loss to go, but these are the positives. And I think early on this season, when she was following the team and there was A lot of reason to be, uh, I guess, a little bit negative about who they are and who they were going to be and a lot of uncertainty because of all the moving pieces. But she was like, you know, stick to the script. They're going to be fine. Trust Fred, trust Pascal, trust OG, trust Masai, Nick. Um, And here they are. And they've done I mean, they've kind of turned a corner with their seasons um, over the past, I guess, five weeks or so. And we'll get to the rest of that eventually. But first, Kyle Lowry. So the reason why I wanted to talk to you about Kyle is because, I mean, I appreciate your perspective on And I guess, like more holistic things, um, looking at things from a broader picture, and I want to know is, you know, 10 years from now, how do you think Raptor fans will be viewing Kyle Lowry?
1: I mean, I think a lot of the way that we already do, like the greatest Raptor, I think, in franchise history. Um, But I think those things also tend to grow over time, right, and become, like, mythologized. But I think with Kyle Lowry it's definitely um, warranted. You know, he Mm -hmm. changed, like he changed the shape of the franchise. He changed the look and and feel and shape of the team. Granted, like the team is changing and is kind of going into what its next iteration is going to be. But his like toughness, I think his sense of intangibles, of doing everything he can you know, to get a possession, mm-hmm. to get the shot, to get the point that hopefully comes out of that. You know, I think he's left the Raptors with that in their DNA, totally. Uh, I think he made them a much tougher team, a very scrappy team. They were always underdogs for a really long time, as any Raptors fan can kind of attest to. But there was yeah. this sort of sense of like, woe is us. A little bit. I mean, like, you know, Vince left, Bosch left. Like, people left, right? It was a franchise for a long time that the greatest players would leave or it didn't seem like people wanted to come here. Like, it wasn't an attractive yeah. destination. And I think Lowry really changed that in a, in a totally, like, top-to-bottom way, along with Masai Ujiri. But I do think the two of them worked in, in kind of perfect tandem, especially as yeah. Lowry matured as sure. a player uh, and as a person – to really say like, you know what? So what? Like screw everybody else. Kind of like we're mm-hmm. going to We, we are, we know how good we are. We know what we have here at home and we're going to work to, to grow that. Um, And I think just like that chip, like we became less sorry for ourselves, but we didn't lose the chip on our shoulders. I think as mm-hmm. the Toronto Raptors as a Toronto Raptors franchise as a whole. And I think to an extent fans, Um, but I think Larry just like, he gave, I think he gave us that gift. He gave us a different kind of gift of confidence that the team didn't necessarily always have.
0: I, I mean, spot on. Um, I think kind of the, we, the North there, that started around the time that uh, things started popping off for the Raptors 2013, 2014. And uh, he kind of embodied all of that. And we should give some credit to like to DeMar and, and Dwayne Casey too, because yeah. they were a big part of, <laughs> of who the Raptors were the identity. It's easy to say, Kyle, because you became an NBA champion with the Raptors and so forth. But Demar and Dwayne Casey, I mean, this is why Dwayne Casey did such a good job with the Pistons. And we know he's 5-0 against the Raptors since he was fired by the Raptors. <laughs> um, but yeah, all of them, they really did kind of uh, understand those values and put forth, like, this is how you develop a winning culture, a winning identity. And with Kyle specifically, um, mean it's just like that that bullying side of him that's like relentless like go forward constantly a chip on your shoulder that was what kind of the we the north um era was sort of like the slogans around it It was just like be proud of who you are you know as Masai said back in the day like have confidence in yourself you know believe in yourself believe in toronto all that like it kind of started with kyle lowry and this identity this 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 desire to you know you know, punch above, above your weight, um, regardless of the situation, regardless of who you're you're up against. You keep on pushing forward, and then you live with the results. But you always maintain that confidence in yourself. And Kyle, I mean, he's nothing but if not confident, he's always confident in his abilities when it comes to the Raptors franchise. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you think the 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 impact will be there?
1: I mean, you see the markers of it in like the way Fred VanVleet approaches the game. I think mm-hmm. completely, baby bear. Um, Baby yes, bears, maybe the baby how bear, as, as mm. Marie Holloway noted, um, very cute, extremely endearing. But uh, I think you know, uh, I mean Van Vliet also said this, right? Like he got the best two sort of vets he could ever hope for in Demar Derozan and Kyle Lowry, and um, he's with Kyle Lowry a bit longer than he was with Demar. But I think it kind of showed him how to lead a team mm-hmm. now he's stepped like he's stepped fully into that role and he's gonna it's gonna change a little bit you got to put your own spin on things but I think um you see it in him you can see it in Pascal Siakam especially with I'd say the confidence that Pascal sort of grew into his game maybe coming out of the shadow of Lowry a little bit this season yeah. um see it in OG in you see it even like like in the guy like in Chris Boucher and, and just players who have been with The team for longer but what's more interesting to me is how you actually see it in brand new players right like brand new players like scotty barnes and players like delano benton who like we don't want to talk about mythologize actually like mythologize the raptors because at this Mm -hmm. point like at that point in his career when he was coming up when he was in high school and then in college like that was where he wanted to be and a lot of that due to kyle lowry but in the way that they play the game scotty barnes especially He's everywhere on the floor at all times, you know, and like he kind of has leaned fully in to that Kyle Lowry mindset. Uh, So I think that style of basketball, this kind of craftiness, it's not necessarily the most elegant basketball (laughs) to watch. You know, there are teams (laughs) that I think are a little bit more fluid. Uh, to watch in that sense but that's never really what the Raptors build themselves as especially you know in the time of Larry so I think just like that grittiness I think that's sort of here to stay
0: yeah definitely and when you look at him um, and the impact that he's had on the franchise like you can kind of yeah it's just a blueprint right there and the best part is that actually worked you know like you know, they were practicing what they were preaching and like the unselfishness and I've always really appreciated about the Raptors and like I, I think other franchises probably have this as well but like that term family that they use, it's, it's, you hear it all the time and I think this kind of started with Masai, but also it was Kyle Lowry too and Damar, I keep on saying Damar too but it's like the little stories that we hear over the years of like, you know, Kyle and Damar taking rookies out and say let's go to the mall and get whatever you want. It's like Kyle hosting all these Thanksgiving dinners. Um how he was with the media wasn't exactly who he was with his teammates. I mean, I think, sir, sure, he was stubborn and a little bit prickly sometimes. And I love hearing some of those stories uh, during the, I mean, earlier on during lockdown, it was Demar and Fred, and they were talking about cases where like Kyle would just be like sitting on the floor during practice because he didn't want to practice or he didn't like how things were going. So he would just be like, practice is done. We're not doing this anymore. And uh, anyway, those was, was a funny stories that they always had. And I'm sure there's plenty more, but at the same time, you know, you know, building your, your confidence in yourself and, you know, finding ways to just win games to set whatever it is, who knows. And this is why, you know, Kyle Lowry, he's such a interesting player. And I think this is changing a little bit since he's been with the heat is that people are starting to understand like how good he actually is. And that, you know, the way he impacts games, you can't even, it's not even on the box scores. You can't see it. It's just in everything. And, Um, We'll get into like some of the comments from Heat players since he he got there, but you're seeing it from other like, you know, the big media pundits and I hate going down this path because it shouldn't matter but it kind of does validate what we always felt like. Kyle has been good, this good for a long, long time. Like he's 35 now. Obviously he's had better years in his career and he's, you know, built all this knowledge of, you know, the basketball IQ that he has. And you can see it in the confidence that an OG, uh, the Fred, especially the way he conducts himself and also that unselfishness when it comes to, you know, helping other players grow their games. Like that photo last season, when um, the Raptors were pretty much tanking and you see Fred and Kyle and, and they're talking to Malachi Flynn, like that exactly embodies of who Kyle Lowry was. Like he just wanted to see you reach your potential. How many times we heard it? Like he just wants to see guys get paid. He got, Ken Birch paid, he got Serge Ibaka paid. He just wants to see guys be successful. And having that care about your fellow man, your fellow teammate, like that is kind of rare. That is not something that you see all the time. And that's not something you can really measure either. And how that you know translates to wins isn't something that's really gonna be seen. But you know, for how many years now, like the Raptors, every single time, every single year you see how close they are. And you look at other teams in the NBA, like you can tell that there is not that camaraderie on the bench, but every year, like without fail, doesn't matter who's coming in, who's out, whatever you see guys gelling really, really well. And that's like the family aspect that I'm talking about. Justin Champagny, he said in an open gym episode the other day, he's like the reason why I wanted to come to Toronto was like, yeah, I saw guys like Fred and Pascal and OG kind of building their careers and, you know, becoming like who they are now, but also it's like I, I really appreciated how much it seemed like the Raptors cared about their players and Nick Nurse talked about this. Geez, like, you should mention him too a little bit because he joined the Raptors in 2013, right? He's been here for a while. He was an assistant for like four or five years. And what's his hallmark about talking about players that he wants to help them grow market value in the market, right? Mm-hmm. Like that means like he wants to help you be successful. Like regardless of how you're going to help the Raptors, like let's find ways to make you the best version of yourself. And again, that's kind of starts with a person like Kyle. He just wanted to see everyone be successful. Go forth, conquer, work hard, you know, do your job and be unselfish. Do what you're told. Sacrifice if you need to for the betterment of the team and things are going to be okay. And I mean, how many ways can you say it? Like Kyle Lowry, his impact, I think he's now helped like Fred be this way to some degree because Fred was already, you know, he has his, he is who he is obviously. And that's, that's okay. But he's helped so many players, you know, find their way in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And now that's going to help a Delano that's going to help a Malachi Flynn that's going to help other players. Now that they've seen, this is how you conduct yourself in the NBA. Other players are going to do this. And now you're kind of paying it forward years upon years upon years. So it's actually kind of hard to measure the impact of Kyle Lowry on the Raptors franchise or on the NBA as a whole. You know, one of my low key hopes is Kyle would never do this because um, he's a family man, but I wanted to see him just like go like team hop for the rest of his NBA career and just like create his Kyle culture just like make it go NBA wide. So everyone in the NBA is playing like Kyle Lowry. That's what I hope. I want to see it.
1: <laughs> I think though, I mean, there are there are definitely tangible things that you that you know that he's done and that you get large. You know, I think he's changed what a point guard can look like. Uh, he's yeah. not that sort of prototypic lights out shooter like a Steph Curry or a Damian Lillard. You know, he's small, he's strong. Um, we talked about this, like maybe he's not as as graceful graceful in his game quote but that's because he'll he's willing to get his hands dirty you know whenever and wherever he can or like take charge after Mm -hmm. charge right he certainly brought taking charges back in vogue and i think you know we did touch on this but like his trust too for a point guard i think and letting his teammates get touches and like take on decision making has made for what we're seeing now in the raptors is this like Close to positionless or this idea of fluidity within basketball. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of that was ushered in by the way that Kyle Lowry played. And now you're seeing that, you know, be adapted league large. So I think beyond the, the, the things that we've touched on, which is turning the Raptors into a developmental culture, whether that's for your game or for your career, like you say, you know, a player's value in the in the marketplace, or even the value is then it applies to their career longevity and how long they may stay in the NBA. Sure. Uh, and learning to kind of lean on and learn different skills to stay valuable. Like look at Danny Green, right? Look at Danny Green after he left the Raptors. Like he kind of acclimatized his game perfectly to fit where it was he was going. He didn't really mm-hmm. have that with the Spurs. You know, yeah. prior to coming to Toronto, he didn't really utilize that. So there are so many examples of that. Um, so I think again the Kyle Lowry effect to borrow uh, a Marie Hollowayism, like you can see it, you can see it <laughs> team side, and you can see it league wide.
0: Yeah, my favorite meme that was going around when the when Kyle was was being traded is that you know that Ninja Turtle meme with Splinter and the four Ninja Turtles, and like yes. they become their kids. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I know you've seen it, right? But it's it's perfect, though, right? It's, it's actually, it's exactly what, how we, we view this. And I mean, Kyle probably would embrace a meme like that because I think he's just like, yes, yeah, all my little kids, like, look at them, look at them flourish. Look at them go. Um, I'm happy you mentioned Danny Green, actually, because I asked him, I talked to Danny, was a few weeks ago. Yeah. He was gracious enough to give me time. And one of the things he said about Kyle is that the reason I wanted to play with Kyle is because of how quickly he gets a ball down the floor. And he's like, it's such a huge thing for myself, who's a great transition three point shooter and just a great, you know, shooter overall. Is that if you have a point guard who can get you the ball exactly where you want to get it, like that is a huge difference maker. And this is a natural pivot to his impact on the heat because, um, this is where, like, I, I mentioned that the pundits out there, the ones that don't typically pay attention to Kyle Lowry, this is where they're seeing, like, oh, wait, this is what he's doing. A player like, you know. Tyler Hero says, the first two years in my league, in the league, I didn't really have a point guard that could get everyone organized to their spots. We know who his point guard was in the first two years of his career. We don't have to talk about it, but you guys know. Yeah, we know. Anyways, um, a comment like that, and Tyler Hero is having the best season of his career, I believe. So it's, like, that ability, that basketball IQ, that's where, like, Kyle, you you understand why people love playing with him. Um, other than that, though, how, how have you seen him impact?
1: I mean, I will say, uh, just for what you're kind of hinting at, I do think, unfortunately, um, there is truth to this, like, Canadianism of, like, where he spent, you know, the last, like, the majority of his career up to now and the fact that a lot of, Americans be it fans or broadcasters like Canada kind of eclipsed the Kyle Lowry experience for them. It doesn't mean that he wasn't always like this, you know, and I'm up up, half of me is very happy that now he's getting the more broad attention he deserves. But I think you also do have to recognize it. It kind of sucks that like a lot of his (laughs) development sort of happened in the dark maybe, or like with not as much shine though. I also wonder if he would have, become the player he is if he didn't have that like to go back to that chip on his shoulder thing Mm. um but with the heat like organization a hundred percent you know like when you have when you have like jimmy butler on the team who is like a self-proclaimed like hard ass and just like (laughs) probably one of the toughest leaders uh on any team but when you have jimmy butler saying like compared to kyle lowry you know he's nothing and, like, we've seen that of Lowry. It's just, like, you didn't mm-hmm. see that as much. You saw his kind of softer side in the last few seasons with the Raptors because they were organized. It was, like, second sense to them. Everything was very intuitive because yeah. they have been playing with each other and with Kyle uh, for so long. So now he's kind of, you know, he's giving them their marching orders, right? And he's not afraid to tell them where to be at all times on the floor. That's the way that he sees the game. I think the Heat needed that organization Um, because you're actually going to get so much more especially out of like role players like duncan robinson we haven't talked about yet like you know tyler hero for sure um and i think just like that's a the depth on that team is young ish and that's good for Mm -hmm. kyle like he he is he's like you saw that with the raptors too right like he's very um willing to like teach and to train and to like get young players up to speed yeah i'm sure he like puts them through their you know if they're a rookie or whatever like he puts them through their requisite steps but he's also not a vet that's like checks in and checks out right Mm -hmm. like he wants to be there for his guys you know all the time not just on like in practice or in game um he wants to like kind of teach them and have them learn from him as much as they're willing to if they're smart they'll take as much as they can get but you're definitely seeing that i think It definitely helps clear things up for Jimmy Butler, you know, who isn't the most, who can get a bit like stretched out. And I think disparate on the floor for Bam too, like Bam Adebayo coming back with Kyle. Like Kyle has just, there's a little bit of this like Marc Gasol, Kyle Lowry echoes of it with with, like Bam and Kyle. You can see that. And I think just like for Spo, like for Spolstra, it's a, he's a dream because he's a coach point guard right? So he's he's mm-hmm. also taking half the load on the floor or you don't have to explain things very much to him. You just kind of show him the play and he's like, alright, I got it. Because yeah. he is a savant like that too.
0: Oh, savant is a good word. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Um, it's funny that Pat Riley, when he signed Kyle and they were doing the introduction interview, he said that I really like Kyle's chaos. The Kyle chaos is what he called it, the Kyle right? Chaos. So it's yeah. Yeah, it's like it's organized <laughs> chaos because and this is what we're talking about. And this is also why, you know, that Kyle plus bench was always so successful. And it's been mm-hmm. successful in Miami too. Like Jimmy, Butler, Bam and Kyle have only played 15 games together this season. 14 actually, because Kyle didn't play last night. So, yeah, they played 14 games together this season, and the Miami Heat are doing very, very well. Kyle's been healthy, I believe, for almost all the games. So how are they winning games? Well, it's, it's what you're talking about. is Kyle Lowry knowing how to organize his players. How you give him some guys who are willing to work hard, who can shoot the ball. Um, he's going to make some good things happen for anyone. And uh, that kind of ability and his, his confidence in himself, the confidence he puts in his teammates, like you had mentioned, and he puts everyone in a position to be successful. And he said this earlier on in the season is that, you know, our team right now is everyone is enjoying seeing each other's success. And that's exactly what he would say in Toronto too. So that is like the Kyle Lowry impact that we're talking about. And, you know, with him now and uh, kind of his poise down the, down the stretch of games, I think he's grown in that obviously early on in his career with Toronto. It was a bit hit and miss, but I think of that moment in the bubble. It was game six, and that was a game that he had, like that incredible game against the Celtics, and they're in overtime. And what's he doing? Like double OT? He's just like playing with Jason Tatum's wristband. It's like, why are you doing this? But like that's how calm he was. He was truly (laughs) like completely grounded, completely centered. And, I mean, having someone like that on your team, when you have championship aspirations, and, you know, rightly so, like they got a really, really good team over there, and they just needed to figure out their half-court offense – that Was something that we weren't really sure about. How is it going to look? But with Kyle, it looks pretty good because you have him, Kyle Lowry. My goodness, who knows how many more years he plays? I hope he does, like I said to you, Katie. I hope he does end up, you know, doing that roundabout, <laughs> round, going <laughs> yeah. through the NBA and just like teaching everyone how to play basketball because I think that'd be really, really cool. Who did that recently? I guess Raison Rondo's kind of doing that. He's played for like 10 teens in the yeah. NBA, yeah, not by choice, I think, not he'd by like choice, to find a though, home. yeah, <laughs> yeah, but. Yeah, Um, closing up the Kyle Lowry section because he is going to be returning to Toronto. As far as we know, it's not going to be in front of a packed house, unfortunately. It is what it is. But how would you like to see them celebrate him? Pre-game festivities, in-game, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, though you're you're right. Like it's it's unfortunately going to be a bit limited. But I think the only thing to take away from that is they're just going to have to do it again. So we're going to get two homecomings, really. You know, this one will be more privately i think for kyle which isn't necessarily a bad thing i think it's kind of nice and the next one i think once fans are back in the arena will be for the fans um yeah for like the way that they've that he's impacted them so that's kind of cool because when it comes to kyle Lowry, i am of the mind that you can't celebrate him enough so i think i mean i minimum i need to see i think the montages are too short i'm all for the welcome back montages so you could give me a montage every quarter. Don't just do it <laughs> at the first time out as you typically do and you know, usually they're what, like two minutes? I could yeah. take a like you could do uh you could do one general, you could do then like a charges montage, best charges taken. That's uh, true. You could That's have true. like a really funny and cute and candid one with some of those moments, like the the Tatum wristband is perfect. Him like in the Windemar and him, this is like one of my all-time favorite photos. But Windemar and him had their all-star pictures taken, and Larry's in the back window <laughs> behind Demar making that face know. like a yeah, yeah, yeah. Slimer from Ghostbusters. <laughs> Beautiful, uh, something like that. And then I think like the natural celebration once fans are back and you can get to that again. We'll just like that. I'll just come and like. Mm. The tears will come. It's going to be super, super dramatic. I don't really know that you need to create like more fanfare or kind of like more like manufactured moments around it because it's just going to happen naturally. Like people want to celebrate, people in Toronto want to celebrate Kyle Lowry as much as they can and whenever they can with like any mention of his name. Right. So, like if he's just there in the flesh and he's playing, I think like that's things will just happen.
0: I didn't look this up before, so I decided to check. Now, next time (laughs) the Heat come to Toronto is April 3rd. So that could be the time that you're talking about. Hopefully the world's in a better spot and there could be some fans in the stands. I would really like to see him do his pre-game ritual that he did with the Raptors. He could do that again with them, like the Raptors. You know, they go on that side and they do the whole thing. OG's sleeping. (laughs) Pascal's doing sit-ups all that stuff, I want to see that one more time. And I'm curious, like, do they, if Kawhi, like, when they were trying to resign Kawhi, the claim was that he would never have to pay for another meal in the city, okay? So then, obviously, Kyle deserves much more than that. So what does he get? A key to the city? Is that it? I don't know. But it has to be one up above that. I'm not sure what it is, but it has to be something in there. Then montages, absolutely. There has to be a charters one. Um, Sometimes they do, like, They'll do like a two minute version for the in game, but then, you know, they'll post like the longer version online. You know what? No fans are going to be there anyways. Just like play the whole thing. Do a 10 minute thing. Who the hell knows? Um, it would be cool if some players, uh, Raptor players, like talk to him. You know, they got mm-hmm. center floor, they spoke to him. A few of them said a few words. OG, Masai, Nick, Pascal, whatever. Like get all of them to say a few words about it or just play a video where they've all said something about him. That would be good too. That's kind of where I was with it. Um, and obviously, if you want to unveil the Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. I'm Sandra statue early you could do that too true yeah yeah true that, that's a or good like the
1: plans it. maybe release a couple plans have fans Blueprints. start voting for them yeah yeah
0: Ooh, that's interesting the fans vote for what the kyle larry statue will be
1: that's what i always pictured would be kind of the nicest thing right i mean the raptors yeah. were Raptors got their name in a fan vote so why not do this kind of next big thing by a true. fan vote as well <laughs>
0: Yeah, see who uh, ends up in the All Star game. I think Fred's going to be there, and I think sneakily, I think Pascal has a chance too. But he's got to have some crazy games. And the Raptors have to get back up there in the standings. I think they're eighth right now at the moment. Mm-hmm. Eighth? Nope, they're ninth. That sucks. Um, but three <laughs> games back a sixth. Three games back a sixth. So they're going to be on the road for a little while. Good building blocks for them. And now this is a, again a natural pivot to the game last night because um, very competitive game against the Miami Heat. They lost by a couple points second half, like both teams didn't even like scratch 50 points. Like you got, they really clamped down. And it was uh, one of those like rugged defensive efforts. And you kind of saw the Miami heat, the toughness that they play with. And I think the Raptors down the stretch of the game, like they looked really tired. I think Fred Mm -hmm. looked exhausted, Pascal, OG, yeah they just didn't have it in their legs and then that's kind of where like possessions were like you know tyler hero's getting downhill caleb martin's like beating pascal like it's happening because they just didn't have the legs for it i mean my god six players in the raptors played more than nine minutes <laughs> justin Penny was the only person on the bench outside of chris boucher to get some playing time he played nine minutes yutu watanabe who uh we were told is uh Is available, but not playing. Um, It seems like Nick is uh, kind of putting the clamps down a little bit on young Yuta Watanabe saying, um, you got to be better. How he has to be better? I mean, is it three-point shooting? He's got to make more shots. He obviously always does hustle. But anyways, only seven players played yesterday. Justin Champagne was one of them. He played nine minutes. Everyone else, like you're looking at every single other person played at least 33 minutes And OG was that person It only happened because he was in foul trouble. So everyone would have been probably around 36 plus a lot of minutes between those guys. Um, But I'll throw it over to you, Katie. What were your thoughts on the heat game yesterday?
1: Uh, It was a very physical game. Super physical. Uh, I -hmm. think that's what I kind of noticed, even though when the Raptors were throwing out their biggest lineup that they could, they were still getting kind of out tossed around a little bit. I think that's what lent to them looking so tired by the end of the game. Uh, Granted, yeah, yeah, there is the huge point of um, maybe five or six guys on the team getting all the minutes in this last little stretch and there being a bit of a non-existent bench that certainly doesn't help for everyone's level of freshness. Uh, Mm -hmm. Being on the road doesn't help either. I thought that uh, Miami focused a lot of its manpower on OG and an Obi. I thought they were like really doubling up on him in the paint. They were hitting him with some pretty hard box outs. He can handle that kind of stuff, but when you see him coming down and looking rattled and taking shots here and there, you know, I, yeah. he is not he is not a player or a person who necessarily is very reactionary. You know, but when he's started to react to that stuff you know, that those are some hard hits. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think because of that, a lot of the rebounding fell to Scotty Barnes uh, and Chris Boucher. And, you know, Boucher, against the he he did not look as strong as he has in recent games. He looked like the smallest part of that big lineup, uh, which yeah. is always a bit, you know, surprising to see. But yeah. um, it was close. It seemed like a game that Toronto could win. It did seem like a game that they were going to, they trailed a little bit in the third. They kept it pretty close throughout, like, the beginning of the fourth and then the heat just like pj tucker loves that corner pocket he will oh, always
0: shot he yeah. will always
1: hit his shot from there um and there was a couple just like decision making errors uh i think maybe some of that just came from fatigue right yeah. um from scotty barnes uh you know and some other players but i like i think the raptors outplayed the heat i would say the heat just got a few better looks and some of their shots fell and sometimes that's just what happens in a ball game
0: Ain't that the truth. Um, I was looking up, if people are watching on YouTube, I was looking up what OG has shot over his last three games because um, yeah, it hasn't been great. And I learned that it's, he's 19 of 51 mm-hmm. over his last three games. So that's 37%. He's taken a lot more shots. And um, I talked to Oren Wisewell a couple of days ago. It was about how OG is using his body more to create his offense. And also it was about, you know, how the Raptors are going to kind of use utilize OG more because um, he's been sort of sidelined a little bit when it comes to just like, you know, getting more isolated possessions, mm-hmm. um, more getting downhill, um, becoming a playmaker. And he's been kind of a spot-up shooter because they sort of needed that because of the lack of shooting and Pascal was doing such a good job. So it's like, all right, well, we have this OG Anobi guy who's like shooting 40% from three great catch-and-shoot guy. He needs to be in that corner, but then also you need OG to just, you know, continue to develop. And also he just, he has a mismatch in a lot of cases. And um, it was interesting seeing yesterday uh, with the Raptors that they did a lot of mismatch hunting, like a lot. Like that's why Precious Achu was getting post-ups and Scotty Barnes first came back after missing a few. He shot six of 18 and all of them were like in the paint against like Strauss or Harrow or Robinson. And he didn't perform that well. And I think with the Raptors, as they go forward, You know, they're going to need those to be complete possession. They're going to need those to be buckets because they had got like great shots, but they just weren't going down necessarily. And like the mismatching um, they did that a little bit uh, down the stretch of games. And again, with OG, again, we talked about it with, with Oren is that that shot that he had, like, I think it was two minutes left and he airballed a turnaround jumper, which from, which was like four feet away. Like Mm -hmm. you don't need to be taking a turnaround jumper from four feet away. Like that should be maybe a turnaround hook shot. And he needs to add that element to his game. He's obviously so strong. Once he creates that, that space between him and his defender, like go up hook shot, make that your bread and butter because he's going to need something to be successful down the, down the post. Mm-hmm. Um, then Jesus, the decision-making. Yeah. Scotty Vaughn started two on with Pascal and nothing came from it. Um, Pascal was kind of just like, bro, what the hell because they were down by three points at that point, And that would have made it a one possession game. Um, Next possession afterwards, like you got an open three, he missed it. That's okay, that happens. Um, but it's like little things like this that really do cost you. And it kind of shows you know where the how the Raptors um are gonna get to that next level is that they need to be able to execute down the stretch of games because against these great teams, the Miami Heat, uh Phoenix Suns, like they they got this down like clockwork, and the Heat didn't even have freaking Kyle Lowry. So they're gonna get better at this stuff too. And the Raptors. Yeah. There's some strides to make, um, but that's okay. I mean, it is, this is part of the process and that's why myself and many others have said that this is your year to do that. Hopefully they get a top six spot, but next season is where you really want to look, think about, you know, how can we become a championship team? And um, these are the times to get the kinks out uh, and hopefully Scotty Barnes kind of figured that stuff out. He becomes more, a bit more consistent in, uh, in this matches and OG man turn on hook shot. Just, Make that happen for yourself, please, (laughs) because it's going to make your life so much easier. It doesn't need to be a fadeaway jumper all the time. Um, Any other thoughts on the heat game, Katie?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, you touched on Scotty Barnes a little bit, and I've seen a few stories going around today, just uh, criticisms, I think, on Barnes. You know, like he did have a few, a couple bad reads that led to some bad decisions. Um, You mentioned the most notable, I think, which was, that last one of the last possessions running the ball up the floor you know um he and pascal didn't get that didn't get that they're a little bit too late to execute the fast break properly and that he brought the lead up to 6 so you knew yeah. it was a bit downhill then um one i think he's probably tired as we said like he's been relied on heavily <laughs> heavily yeah, sure. all season so far especially like during this last stretch with the lack of bench um and it's not going to let up so Part of that is just mm-hmm. an adjustment. It's his first year in the NBA. Um, these are the most like serious game reps he's <laughs> ever had in his career thus far, and the way that he's mm-hmm. bounced back in his decision making, um, and I think his recovery leads me to believe that he will do that again. He will just get better, and you know, two, he's a rookie. I think the good thing about um, bad reads in this case, especially the really bad reads, uh, is like your own bad decisions. Like think about the worst last decision you made and maybe how embarrassed it made you, you're not going to want to do it again. And likewise, yeah. <laughs> Scotty Martin is not going to want to do yeah. those bad. Like he's not going to want to have any part of the bad roots that he, he had sure. in some, like at the last minutes and that he came again. So again, like these are just more silver lining takeaways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, you know, with a, with a rookie like Barnes, you got to take the good with the bad, because if you're not getting the bad, you are limiting his development.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, with all that said, he shot six of 18. That's unfortunate, but um, eight rebounds, six assists, he had a lot of great great passes and that's been the constant for for Scotty Barnes throughout this season. I love seeing him as a backup point guard. I mean, it sucks for Delano and Malachi um, because those are two point guards who do need, you know, time to get some reps in, but Scotty Barnes like that is where you want him. You know, 3 years down the road, what Scotty Barnes going to be? Like you want him to be that like true point forward. Someone mm-hmm. who is just like an absolute monster on every side of the floor, who's absolutely everywhere, who you really can't stop. All you can do is contain. Um, that's where you want him to be and him becoming, you know, getting those reps as a, as a backup point guard and also just, you know, getting some of those spot up three point shots. He shot two of five yesterday, made a late one, which is really, really good. Um, those are, it's really important that he does that because if you don't give him those chances, like you're saying, like you are limiting his ceiling and his ceiling is to infinity and beyond. And the Raptors have to go all in on that because he could be your franchise cornerstone for years to come. You talk like, you know, culture, like Kyle, or Scotty Barnes really does embody the Kyle Lowry culture. He mm-hmm. works hard, great attitude, wants to see his teammates be successful. Like this is, this is why Masai and Bobby were like, we need to get this guy because of all these things. So um, no concerns about him necessarily. I just wonder how, like, how he's going to improve for the rest of this year because it would be great to see him get that top six. Um, it's right there for the taking with the way things have gone down for the Cleveland Cavaliers and the 76ers, you know, they're, they're still figuring things out themselves. So the top six spot is like definitely in the taking if they could just get there. But if not, I mean, play cool too. And you just kind of see where the cards fall, I guess. Looking at next season, a little fun one for you, Katie. Um, so three players on their bench, we've talked about it nonstop. Many have, you know, they're not getting constant production, consistent production from their bench. Uh, Chris Boucher, Preston, Chua, Nabe. A game of start, sit, and drop between oh, those three way. for next season. So the, a start would be, this is rotation minutes. <laughs> a sit would be, they are a depth bench piece. And then a drop is obviously, they are no longer with the team. As I said to you, you know, a little while ago, like next season is a year where you can really make a move in the NBA if everything, you know, goes accordingly. And... That's something to be considered is like how many debt pieces do you take on when you have like a justice champagne and Delano and Malachi, like these are players that you want to keep in your system, presumably because they're still here. So yeah, you got to make some tough calls. So question to you, Katie, start, sit, drop Chris Boucher, Precious you to Watanabe. It's a tough one. You but.
1: said this was a fun exercise. It's not. Fun
0: for me. Fun yeah. for me. <laughs> um,
1: it's not very fun. Let's mm. see. Uh, I would, st- I honestly, I would start Precious Achua. Like, I just, yeah. like, I believe so much in him as a player. Um, I think that he came out, he came out of that, the bumpy plateau that he had uh, late in the fall so nicely. Uh, and I think he's done that by focusing on one thing at a time. I don't think it can be under underestimated, overestimated. I don't think it can be underscored enough how difficult it is to be the, quote, modern NBA player that you are asking a player like Precious Achua to be. You want Mm -hmm. him to do absolutely everything. (laughs) You don't just want him to be a traditional big, right? You want him to have all these stretch capabilities. He's got to shoot. He's got to guard. Like, he has to do a little bit of playmaking. Like, this is a lot for any player to take on, let alone, like, a second-year player. So, he's going to have stretches where all of that, like the wheels come off. Right. Yeah. And you got to focus on one thing at a time. And he's done that beautifully. And I think if he continues to do that, he has, and should have a pretty substantial part. in like the new look Raptors, mm. the, the next two are tough because I yeah. really like Utah. And I think we saw such great flashes from him last season toward the end of last season in Tampa, and then just the way that he developed over the summer and worked on it and came back, he had an unfortunate, like, you know, he then he was injured and he was out. And, like, that's going to, again, like, really disrupt your rhythm entirely as a player. So any gains that he made, he may have just lost. Can you tell I'm, like, talking myself into some of these answers?
0: Um, (laughs) It's a tough one. Yeah, it is
1: tough. I would say, I would say to um, Bench, then Utah to sort of keep him, but with yeah. the understanding that you're gonna you're gonna utilize him uh, in your bench and kind of as a backup wherever you can, because mm-hmm. ostensibly he is going to get better over the summer. And then Boucher, I would say, this is very difficult, but Boucher, I would say you can trade, and I say this from my most like callous part of my my basketball heart, but mm-hmm. with with a caveat that he's gonna have the best like value as a player. So he's actually probably yeah. going to end up in a great situation if you traded him at the end of this season. So it's a, yeah. it could potentially be a win-win for the team. So I'm not saying ditch this guy because he's, he's like not contributing to the team because Chris Boucher has been on fire.
0: Mm-hmm. But I
1: think when you look at the way he's grown and how he's fit, he doesn't necessarily fit as seamlessly, uh, I think, as these other two guys. Into mm-hmm. where I think the Raptors are going, but also i am not I'm not the gm and i i thank I thank God for that
0: messiah <laughs> Jerry <laughs> never afraid to make that tough decision, although uh-huh. I mean I'm sure he thinks about it and it keeps him up at night, but uh yeah, he will make that that call listen like there's nothing wrong with what you suggested um because thanks. Uh, <laughs> I mean that nicely because this is a very tough question. And these are three people um, with the franchise that you could, you could make a case for everyone. You can make a case for everyone Mm -hmm. to be rotation minutes. You can make a case for everyone to be dropped or sat or whatever. Um, I I'm leaning just because of what I've seen lately from Chris Boucher and what the Raptors may want to be next year. I I can, you can make the case that they should keep him around. What his contract will be the finances. That's always going to be a factor with all of this. Um, But Having someone like when I think about what the Raptors, what they're trying to do with you know, having these, you know, size at all positions, like it kind of did start to some degree with what Chris was able to do and what he was able to show last season, you know, having someone who could just affect the game in so many different ways. And he's really found like a good groove with what his role is. And it kind of actually is what he was doing last year too. I think earlier on in the season, he just he was so anxious to do more. He wants to show all the elements of his game. And that actually hindered, you know, the other parts of his game that were so successful and they were so good for him. It's like that hustle, three-point shooting has seemed to come around over the past few games. And uh, having someone reliable who's been part of your system for so many years, I feel like that is very useful in today's NBA, especially because Chris Boucher's—they don't really grow on trees. I mean, we can talk about him being undersized at center, but then you can think about also how many positions he can guard, um, the three-point shooting that he does have, the hustle that he provides, and uh, you know the unselfishness. That not saying that Precious or Utah are selfish. I'm just saying that you have someone who's really been part of the family for so long, and you know going to be successful with someone like him i could see the case but then with Utah, like if he just gets his three point shooting percentage up like he really does have to shoot 40% and it's not just for for the raptors like for his career his nba career he has to become a prolific three point shooter because he doesn't have some of like the driving game the playmaking is great he's a smart player but he isn't necessarily able to make plays with the ball in his hands and get into the bucket he doesn't really have an array of moves to to score the ball so you know, what do you have to be really, really good at? You have to be really good at a couple of things. And if he can, he can really you know, hone in on his three-point shooting, become like an amazing three-point shooter. That would be great. Um, that would be very beneficial. And then Precious, I mean, I go back and forth with him I, a little bit, only because like just I didn't put Ken Birch here, but Ken Birch is still a factor in this. And uh, he's been very, he's been injured for a lot of different reasons this year. Jesus, he's got a broken nose now. That's no good. Um, but Precious, Yeah, he just makes some really interesting plays. It's kind of a similar thing that Chris Boucher has gone through, is right that he wants to do more, he knows he can do more, and then he does some really silly things at inopportune moments. There was a possession last night where I think it was kind of going, it was trending a little bit. Is that like he's at the three point line? Yeah, Pascal waiting for the ball. Yeah, Chris Boucher waiting for the ball. Like we're open, and Precious is just like going downhill. He's got tunnel vision. He is going to shoot the ball, and -hmm. then he throws up an air ball. And both of them, I think collectively, Chris and Pascal, they just go like this. They hang their heads because they're like, precious, you did it again. Jesus. But he's 22 years old. So I don't know. I should be answering this question because you answered it. I'll answer it too. I think you I think you keep, you start precious Mm -hmm. because I'm just banking on him figuring this out and understanding his role and that, you know, pretty much if you want to be part of this, this is what you have to do. I think you sit Boucher because of the versatility and you don't don't really know when you're going to need a Chris Boucher. Right, and I think you can find a player like Yuta Watanabe and they are so desperate for a shooting guard or a guard who can just score the ball coming off the bench. And I don't think they're going to really get rid of Delano Banton or, or even Malachi Flynn. Like they have to make a decision there, obviously, but that could be a roster spot that becomes available. But overall, how many guys can you keep on your bench that aren't going to be great shooters? And if he just isn't able to figure this out, and I don't know if he's going to. He's been very up and down this year. He's been injured. I get it, but he might be the person that I drop. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Jeez. very, very unfortunate. See, now, now you're right. This isn't fun. A, I thought it'd be a fun. No. It's a bummer exercise. I thought it'd be fun. And here I am saying this is very hard. And now I'm sad and now we're ending the podcast too. So that's how we're going to be leaving. Things. <laughs> <laughs> oh geez. Uh, Katie, anything coming up on, on your end? Any work? Do you want to advertise? Um,
1: there is work, but I won't advertise it yet. So, uh, in the meantime, you can always read uh, Basketball Feelings or subscribe and listen to the podcast. Motokil was my last guest. Uh, and yes. I'll have a new exciting guest coming up uh, for next week's episode, but that's at basketballfeelings.com. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Whatevs, W T E V S, where mm-hmm. you can find most of my work.
0: Beautiful. You can find me at Amit underscore man. Thank you very much for listening. Much appreciated. Please do rate, review, subscribe, get on YouTube, like, thumbs up, do all that fun stuff. Have a great day. We'll talk to y'all soon.